uh, let's kind of start from the v- the very beginning. I, I did mention mm-hmm. a little bit of, of what took place, but um, tell my audience like exactly what transpired. So at the time, I was a broadcast reporter for Cronkite News, which is a, um, it's kind of like a class and an internship hybrid that's basically like hopped up on steroids. So you're functioning as if you were in a real newsroom, um, but it, it's for a class that's a re- requirement for graduation. And so um, part of what we're graded on is our activity on social media and how often we have a presence there. And so they, you know, were telling us to be tweeting two to three times a day, posting on Instagram once a week, and just really kind of sharing articles and, and different information that we thought was relevant and necessary for our audience to, to know. Oh, wow. So, so they encourage you to tweet. They do. Absolutely. They very much, you know, we're, we're actually literally graded on it. It counts for about 20% of our grade, depending on what part of the bureau you're in. So oh, they highly encourage it. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm sitting on a Saturday morning, evening, you know, thinking, okay, I should probably start to um, really hone in on, on Twitter because that's always been my weak spot. I hate Twitter for <laughs> obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> always have. And so um, you know, I was scrolling through my feed and the feed of other Cronkite students and um, found this article from the New York Post that outlined the sexual assault allegations against Jacob Blake. And it very grotesquely detailed um, the sexual assault incident um, the night that the police were called. And, you know, the woman reading it, it was it was very disgusting and, and hard to read. But I thought, nonetheless, this is something that my audience um, should know and should be aware of. And so I shared it with the caption. There's always more to the story, folks. Um, please take some time to read this article about Jacob Blake's arrest warrant. You'll be quite disgusted. And within minutes, it just got an enormous amount of backlash. I mean, you get you get used to a little bit of bickering when you talk about sensitive issues. But my beat was politics. So I'm used to kind of having um, conversational and debate dialogue in, in my comment section. So that was expected. Um, but it eventually just transcribed into students asking for me to step down out of my position as station manager at Blaze, saying that, I made them feel unsafe and didn't care about their feelings and offended them and mm. was just obviously not fit to lead a station of so many people. And so, I mean, it was just shell shocking at first. You never expect something to blow up, no matter how many times you hear about it. It's one of those like, that can't happen to me. Right. Right. And so then, you know, when it did, it was, it was very shocking. And I called my mom, I called my boyfriends, I called, you know, everybody close to me and was just like, what do we do? What have I done? You know, let's, what do we do? Mm. And called the board of directors and our faculty advisor. And we sat on a, a good long phone call and they were, you know, very, very supportive to me saying it's going to be okay. We're going to fix this. You know, we'll send out, we'll delete the tweet. We'll send out an apology. The station will send out an apology statement and, you know, we'll let it die with the weekend and start fresh Monday. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, and then 1030 that night rolls around and I found out from our faculty advisor, who is a member of staff on the, the Cronkite school, that the board had also asked that I resign, that they had sent him an email saying, you know, it's, it's probably best if he steps down. Wow. So then it became pressure from not only students in the club and the school, but the very six people that I worked the closest with and both 
current and former faculty advisor just really, really putting the pressure on me to step out of that. And when, you know, you're just coming off fresh from experiencing all that backlash on social media, you know, they, they try to hit you when you're vulnerable. And um, I didn't really give them an answer. And then, you know, by Monday, it pretty much made it clear that I, I wasn't going to step down willingly um, at any time. I I knew that what I did didn't violate any any positional requirements, any um, rule or law of the Cronkite School. They have what's called social media guidelines, which kind of outline their expectations for you. But because we're students learning how to navigate this, I mean, they're broken right and left all the time. So it's unfair to use that against one person, but not another, right? So right, right, right. I, I just, I refused. And the pressure just kept coming and coming and coming. And I, you know, told them no. And so then we try to have, try to have some meetings um, explaining both sides. They even hired a professional mediator to get us all in the same room to talk us through it. And either side would just not budge. And I, you know, expressed to them the different ways I'd be willing to work them to try to, you know, move forward different ways I would adapt moving forward, different um, ideas I had and they would hear none of it. So then eventually the dean of the school who had tried to stay, you know, out of the out of it for as long as possible realized she was going to have to step in and um kind of made the decision that being station manager at Blaze was no longer a practical or feasible option for me. And so she kind of gave me three choices. Um one was just leave and create my own station. Another was to take on a, a position on the board of directors. It would kind of be a demotion. It would be a lower pay and less responsibility, but whose role was to, to focus on diversity and um, implicit bias, free speech mm-hmm. rights, and we can kind of get into that if you'd like. But And then my third option Well, let me let me stop just, you there. The second option sounds like almost like um, kind of a retraining camp. Right, exactly. Like your mind isn't right. We're going to put you into a position where we're going to, uh, you know, clockwork orange your mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was interesting because it was the way that it was described to me. Um, I think she kind of geared it towards what I was coming from the position of, which is the protection of the first amendment, understanding different opinions in ours, um, but then the way she described it to the board of directors and other students was position of tackling diversity issues and learning about implicit bias and getting some better ethics, essentially. And so I was wow. like, I don't want to go anywhere near that option. Um, and then the third was just to be like reassigned to a, a different student worker position that didn't have anything to do with radio. So now is radio your passion? Um, I do enjoy it. I think, you know, television and broadcast on air that way is what I ideally would like to do. Um, I really like the, the TV uh, on air presence, but I do enjoy radio all the same. All right. Well, I was, I got a face for radio as they say, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's why I was attracted to it. Uh, now, some people might say or think that your tweet, you were really watching out for women, right? By reporting mm-hmm. Mr. Blake's sexual criminal past. I mean, uh, was that somewhat your goal or objective with the tweet? Like, hey, this guy is a creep. Learn about him. Right. I mean, I think, you know, and I know at that time I was just approaching it from the perspective of, 
wow, this is this is pretty heavy stuff that I think people need to be aware of. Um, and including the line, I think you'll be disgusted or you'll be disgusted. I forget exactly, but you know, I don't think there's anybody that could read the article and not be disgusted by its content. It was very, very graphic of what this poor woman had gone through. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as a woman reading that I was disgusted and I didn't, think that sexual assault was open for discussion on whether it's disgusting or not but maybe i'm wrong um so that definitely was you know one end i was coming at it from yeah and now you certainly weren't undermining police brutality in any way no no absolutely not I, i mean the story didn't even have to do with the shooting you know it wasn't related to it at all and i think people kind of just saw that because i had you know touched on his past or his arrest warrant that I was somehow justifying him being shot, which anybody that knows me um, knows that that's not the case. I don't think that what happened to him was okay. Um, But the article and the incident was completely separate from the shooting. And and that was the point, right? The point Mm -hmm. was to bring a new angle and a new set of information to the story that was developing day to day. Well, I think it's important that, you do that, not you, but you know, the, the general you, the, the journalists out there, because Mm -hmm. unfortunately, um, you know, they, they handpick certain parts of the story and then they run with it and it creates mass hysteria before the general public even knows who Jacob Blake was and what took place. They just take certain parts of it to get people riled up. And then that, you know, so the minute someone comes in and questions the, uh, the narrative or adds to the narrative, not really questions it, but to adds it, you know, adds to it. Uh, I think that's responsible journalism. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, it's, it's our job to, provide the whole truth, the full truth, and, and nothing but the truth. It's not our job as journalists to pick and filter what truths get out. And it's certainly not our job to tell people what to think about an issue. We're just to present them with all the information we can possibly get our hands on and let them decide, you know, what their thoughts and their opinions are. Right. Um, but in the same respect, recognize that we too are humans with our own backgrounds, our own thoughts, our own beliefs. And I don't think anybody really wanted to get into journalism and give up who they are to kind of become these robots. So it's it's a double-edged sword that I think our whole industry is learning um, how to deal with right now. Yes, I agree with that, man. And that's got to be such a tough position to be in because we know, and I mean, let's not, you know, I'll say it, you don't have to agree, but, uh, They they have reports that about ninety to ninety five percent of journalists vote one way. Mm-hmm. They tend to be very liberal, very Democrat. So when someone like you comes along that maybe doesn't see life, you know, through that that lens of ideology, then automatically it almost appears that you you become an enemy rather than you're just an open minded journalist trying to get to the truth, right? Right. And I, I think that this story and my tweet had absolutely nothing to do with politics. I think it was, it became politicized and making it, you know, oh, you know, conservative girl over here from Wyoming doesn't agree with us. So we're going to try to 
cancel her and get her out of her leadership position because she doesn't think the way that we do. And it's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. That's, that's not what, you know, America is. It's a huge melting pot or sour bowl, whatever you want to call it, of different ideas and thoughts and beliefs. And, you know, we're supposed to respect those and understand them, whether we agree with them or not. And so, you know, I think it became very politicized. Um, And I I don't know how proportionate each, you know, journalism institution leans one way or the other, but it certainly feels like I'm the 1% sometimes. And um, I know there's a, there's a big group of us, um, but we're very quiet, right? That's why they call the silent majorities. We're not super active on a lot of things, but Right. I don't think that should ever be used against anybody, whether they're left, right, center, or, you know, completely different angle. Um, your thoughts, you're absolutely entitled to. And just because I don't agree with you or you don't agree with me is not means to try to cancel them. Right. And that kind of leads me to my next uh, line of questioning. And basically, by reading some of the articles, I've seen that you've been a target uh, now of a slew of nasty personal attacks by others uh, in the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, one of the uh, one of the examples was that you're trying to justify police brutality by your tweet, and that is just absurd. Just by, I've read the tweet, I've read the article. It has nothing, nothing to do whatsoever with police brutality. How do they make that claim? I've been asking the same question since that happened. Like, how does this um, equate to that? Because we hear all the time, correlation does not equal causation. And these aren't even correlated. This had nothing to do with with him being shot at all. Um, And I think it's sad that, you know, we have to say that one truth doesn't fully support the other one and therefore we can't talk about it. Because I think in not only this story, but so many stories that we talk about, there can be two truths that don't necessarily align with each other, but are still true nonetheless. And so I, it's still, I'm still trying to understand, you know, why people thought that that was the approach I was coming from. And I've even asked them like, where, where in any of my tweets or any statements I've made, have I said that what happened to Jacob Blake was okay? And they can never answer me because they know I haven't said that ever because it's not what I believe. So I know I haven't no. said that. No, um, you're right. You can you go, can stand in both uh, sides of the court, right? I mean, you can right. you can look at his history and say try to piece it together and say why were the police there? Well, they were there to serve a warrant against a very creepy guy, and that's mm-hmm. it. And here's what he did and. And so I totally get that, but that doesn't mean that you're supporting what the police did to get shot seven right. times in the back. You know, um, you know, there's rumors and everything too that he had a knife and that he had been in altercations with the police prior to that, uh, and that he was trying to steal a car. There's all kinds of you know facts behind that case that we don't know about. Right. Right. And to jump to the conclusions that you know it was one way or another is just not fair. I don't think it's responsible to do that. So no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I agree. Totally. Now there was another quote. Um, someone said that you made yourself or you were trying to make yourself the news rather than reporting it. 
Mm-hmm. You've that, done your research. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, I'm going to let you talk about that because that to me is just, just insane because you didn't make yourself the news. That was all created because of the board members trying to oust you of your position. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really what really got you in the news. Right. Yeah, I think um, my situation and experience with cancel culture is different from what we normally see for for two reasons. One being that I didn't cave, I didn't tuck my tail and walk away. And so what usually happens to people in a span of one to four days is we've seen a pattern. It's taken up to five weeks already and still isn't done. And so um, I had the advantage of time on my hands and the strength of my very close supportive family. Um, and secondly, that I had an overwhelming amount of support come from the communities and seeing the stance that I was taking, um, saying, you know, outsiders saying, you know, we heard about what happened. We're very proud of you for standing up. And then people on the inside meeting my fellow students and students across the country who <clears throat> sent me letters and just said, hey, we, we've been through this. We experienced something similar. Um, and we didn't have the chance to share our story the way that you do. So please don't let your voice go to waste. Don't, don't back down from this. And so then it, it really kind of hit me that my incident is isolated. It's, um, it's one example of a very repetitive theme that's happening in college campuses across the country. And it has to stop. You know, it has mm-hmm. to, especially coming from a journalism institute, it, it, like that's our job is to express freedom of thought and freedom of speech and freedom of the press. And in no way should we be limiting what people say. And so I kind of just realized that I have to stay in this, not for myself, but for every single person across the country that's fighting this battle and was too scared or didn't have the, the opportunity that I've had to, to talk about it. And a lot of people were saying, Oh, you just, you politicize it by reaching out to politicians and, going to the media to draw this in, you know, I want to make it very clear that I did not reach out to anybody. Um, Downtown Devil, which is an ASU affiliate um, magazine, was the first to write an article on it. And then that was picked up by the Arizona Republic, which is obviously a very big newspaper here in Arizona. And then it just, you know, kept branching off from there. But, you know, everybody that I talked to or have had discussions with came to me first. I wasn't seeking attention. I wasn't going out and um, pandering to politicians, as it's been said, right. but um, yeah, that know, was like another said, accusation. Someone said that you're using the moment to quote profit and amplify your platform. Right, right. Which is, you know, if my platform is protecting First Amendments for college students, then yeah, sure, I'm promoting that because it is something that needs to be discussed and not swept under the rug anymore. Amen. Now, uh, another guy said your apology was not genuine, only an attempt to save face. Right. So they, they're able to get inside your head now, right? Right. They, they know what I'm thinking better than I do. Right. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but. No, it's, it's, it's comical. It comes, it comes to a point where you just kind of have to sit back and not take everything to heart and just kind of chuckle at it because it's like, what? Wow. Well, there's. um. I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I just had some questions, whether you have been threatened in any way, but I just need to take a quick break and a 30 Mm -hmm. second break for a sponsor. Is that okay? 
Absolutely. Let's All right. do it. All right, cool. Give me one second. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. All right, we're back. Hey, you know, you got to take the sponsors you can get. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> that would keep us up and going. That's right. That's right. Uh, so so kind of, uh, you know, uh, starting off where I left off here, um, have you been personally threatened uh whether it's you know over twitter or facebook or anything like that or in person uh since this whole thing has transpired i have i've gotten lots of messages and emails um that have been threatening all the way from you know just a slight rude comment to you know there's a target on your back um a bounty on your head don't come back to school we don't want to see you um some pretty provocative language my brother even got attacked and so yeah i mean people are people are ruthless and they're they're mean and any type of drama that they see they're they're just attracted to and want to jump into it one way or another so um yeah the answer is yes (laughs) so now is asu doing anything about that are they doing anything to protect you i brought it to their attention when they had asked me to come in for a um one-on-one meeting with the board of directors that was when they hired the professional mediator and just kind of said hey with the threats i've been getting and stuff um i don't feel comfortable coming to campus by myself um you know without any protection especially when this date has been been set for a couple days now and anybody can know that i'm coming and so you know do you think you could provide security or at least i could have somebody with me in the meeting and the response to the security was asking if I really thought that was necessary and you know basically just said well be safe you know um just try to be safe and <laughs> then safe. what does that mean we, <laughs> I know I mean, okay well then I won't come um uh, karate up classes and, exactly and I I brought um I ended up going and I brought a representative that I felt safe um going with a uh, big burly guy that um so he went with me and it was just kind of going to be my representation in that meeting and they kicked him out. So I had to sit through that meeting by myself and thankfully he, he waited for me when it was over. But oh, yeah, I mean, they've kind of just, they've really been trying to downplay the entire situation. Wow. That's unbelievable. It's yeah, it's, it's scary. It's not even scary, but just kind of like, it's just disappointing. So how, how is your family handling this? Because I have a daughter, a 21 year old daughter, and she goes to, Mm -hmm. uh, the other Arizona school, the U of A bear down, go cats. (laughs) But, uh, and if I don't know how I would, uh, I don't know how I would do 
thinking mm-hmm. that, you know, my daughter was under, you know, uh, threats of violence and things like that. So how, how are your parents or how's your family handling all this? They've been overwhelmingly supportive. I was raised in a, a very strong family. So, you know, when all this happened, they were very, um, very supportive, very, very much there for me. And I had numerous calls with them and, you know, they kind of said, well, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to just resign and, and just let it go? We'll support you. We'll take care of you. Or do you want to fight? And if that's what you want to do, then we'll support you and we'll take care of you and take up arms with you. And I told them, I'm, I want to fight. Like, I don't want to tuck my tail and run from them. That's not who I am. And no matter how many people it makes mad, at least I'll be able to sleep with myself at night knowing that I didn't tuck tail and walk away. That's and so awesome. they said, okay. And so, you know, the whole, my family, my extended family, my friends, family, friends, everybody's just been on board and, and very, very supportive. So I've been very blessed in that sense. That's awesome. That's really phenomenal. And it's so, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to feel pretty good knowing that like your whole family didn't rush down from Wyoming and, you know, to try to bring you home or anything like that. They, they're letting you stand <laughs> on your about own. It. They, I bet they did. Cause I'm a dad. Yeah. And I would, right. yeah, I would probably, I don't know, you know, let's just say I own a few firearms. Okay. And mm-hmm. I would probably, you know, go down well armed and bring my daughter back from school. But in hindsight, obviously that's not the right thing to do. Right. Uh, but, yeah. So that's awesome. Now here's a question for you because I'm trying to read between the lines with everything that, that, uh, that went on. Do mm-hmm. you think the radio station board, uh, I think his name's Vaughn Jones. I think he's one of them, one of the, the mm-hmm. people on the, on the, uh, the board, uh, him and the rest of the guys, they all threatened that they were all going to leave unless you got removed from your position. So my question is, do you think they used your tweet to merely rid the station of a conservative leader? In other words, was there something they were, is this something they were conspiring prior to your tweet and your tweet just gave them the ammunition that they were hoping to find? I think for some of them, that was definitely the case. And I think for others, it was caving to the pressure of external forces. So I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Gotcha. Did you have any, um, any run-ins with the board prior to this tweet and any disagreements, any Anything like that? Yeah, there were there was a disagreement from the summer when um, the incident of George Floyd happened. I really should just stay away from this stuff. It just gets me in trouble. But <laughs> I uh, it put a um, and there's actually an Instagram story of an article. I forget where it was from because it was months ago, but um, that just kind of showed that African Americans are not disproportionately targeted by police officers. Um, and at that time, the general consensus was that they were because of a study posted by the Washington Post um, mm-hmm. that outlined that they they were very much targeted by police officers. And I found that the problem with that study was that they were taking into account everybody in the United States, where if you're going to do a study like that, any, you know, math teacher or stats professor will tell you if you're going to do a study like that you have to pick a variable to compare everybody to. And in this case, it would be people that are involved in crime and that have the police actually called on them. 
So the study that I found did take into account that factor and it proved that they were not disproportionately targeted. And so Vaughn and I had, you know, gotten into a discussion about that. He shared his side. I shared my side. Um, We kind of just like, hey, we're good. We agree to disagree. We're going to let it be. Um, And that was kind of the end of it. But I think obviously he's brought that up multiple times since. And so I think it has still kind of sat negatively with him. And he's known, you know, my stances on on issues. And, um, you know, like he said, this was kind of just an ammunition to oust me. And I think it could have been anybody. It wasn't just specifically me, but I think anybody that was coming from that place as well. Right. And that's really, that's what cancel culture is, right? Right. That's what they do. Um, And it's very, it's very unfortunate that it's so common right now in, uh, in America. But uh, it it almost feels like this was a, uh, you were set up. They were just waiting for, for something to happen. They, uh, they saw the tweet and they took it completely out of context. And then they decided, you know, to, uh, you know, to take a stand and do anything they could to try to push you out. And, and it's sad that ASU, it just seems so obvious that that was not your intent. It was not, uh, you were just simply reporting the news. And uh, I, it's just, it just kind of boggles my mind. So my question then to follow up that is, is there any um, possible legal ramifications here? Is this, is this something that you might pursue or, or are you just letting it go? Or, you know, what's, What's your fight? What What do you plan to do moving forward? Yeah, we, we have sought legal counsel. I have hired an attorney. Um, there's a letter waiting in Kristen Gilger and Michael Crow's inbox currently that states our position and um, plan of action. And it was released to the press. as a press release. And so, you know, that's pretty much public knowledge at this point. So they okay. know I'm not backing down and um, very grateful to have Jack Willenchuk in my corner. Um, to, to fight this because like I mentioned I'm just an isolated incident of this um, happening in colleges everywhere and so I'm sure. not going to let mine slip and hopefully that sets a precedent for the rest of the country. Yeah that young man uh, and his name escapes me right now but he was the gentleman that was uh, ended up suing CNN and the Washington Post. Nick uh, Sandman. Mm-hmm. Yeah Nick Sandman and uh, you know I they're actually they're coming after him because uh, there was a college that allowed him to come to school. You know, they, they accepted him into school and they're going after that school trying to get him removed from the college. You know, it was actually, um, it was a member of the ACLU of all things that's trying to get him, you know, removed. They said he's a stain on that college, uh, which is, yeah, it's just unbelievable. So you're definitely Mm -hmm. not by, you're not, you're not alone. Uh, and that's good that you recognize that. So now, uh, let's see here on your Twitter account, you represent, uh, oh, this is what the Cronkite news policy states, right? And you're familiar Mm -hmm. with this. It says on the Twitter account, uh, you represent Cronkite news and you want to protect your personal brand, recognize, uh, recognize that sharing opinions can alienate sources, harm your reporting efforts and turn off future employers. We advise you to abstain from sharing your personal views on political and social issues, yet they're telling you to, to tweet and at least three times a week, etc. 
Uh, mm-hmm. You must earn audience trust by offering smart, insightful, accurate, fair, and ethical social messaging. So again, your tweet, which uh, w- which you said, always more to the story, folks. Please read this article to get uh, the background of Jacob Blake's warrant. You'll be quite disgusted. And we mm-hmm. kind of talked about this, but that verbiage you used, how did they justify that the verbiage you used in your tweet violated their policy? What part of the policy did it violate? They're operating from the stance that the line, you'll be quite disgusted, was offering an opinion. And mm-hmm. let's just say that that's true, if that's an opinion. Okay. Um, Fair enough. In our institution, it's, it's, a, it's an educational one. So we're learning how to do this. We're learning how to abide by the guidelines and precedent that is set forth by the school. But in asking us to tweet two to three times a day, I mean, it's only expected that something is going to fall out of that boundary line. And right. we see that all the time. Um, and they have made it very clear that some students, you know, are going to hear from the university about going out of those lines and some students aren't. And the goalpost just keeps getting moved around. And, um, you know, I've sat down and digested the three sentences that I, I wrote over and over again. And, you know, the, the first line of, um, now I'm drawing a blank on what the first line was. Um, it says always more to the story folks. Yes. Thank you. There is always more to the story. That's, that's just a fact that there, this was a side of the story that we hadn't been talked about before. And then, um, please take the time to read this article. I was just asking my audience to read this article about Jacob Blake's a warrant. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll be disgusted was not necessarily an opinion in favor of a politician, certainly not in fan sports fandom or, you know, political group or anything. I, the only opinion there is that sexual assault is disgusting, which, you know, like I talked on earlier, I, I didn't think that was up for discussion, but apparently I'm wrong. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's just, these guidelines are set forth to try to teach us these things and that's important and I'm all for it. Um, but there is no greater governing body than the constitution of our country. And that's what all of us are operating under. And as a state actor, the university can't be taking a stance or an opinion on these things. So agreed. Agreed. Okay. So, um, I want to compare your situation with another student who was also dismissed recently for mm-hmm. a tweet. Are you familiar with this situation? Alexia uh, Isaias. Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> All right. Now, this is an article from AZ Central, and this is about good old Alexia, right? She's the second member mm-hmm. of ASU student media dismissed for a controversial tweet. Now, mm-hmm. her, her tweet, or there's two of them, actually. Now, how many of your tweets were actually... Um, criticized just the one yeah and then there was a post i liked a couple i don't even know i think it was a couple of months ago from tommy loren and you know they dug into that as evidence that i was unfit to lead so it was a like of a tweet and then oh, the boy. tweet that i actually shared okay all right you could accidentally bump the like button on twitter let's be real right exactly uh but so good old alexia Uh, She says, sorry, but police aren't actually human. All right. 
Nothing opinionated about that, right? I mean, yeah, police, you know, right. they're robots or I don't know, aliens. I don't know what they are, but they're not human, according to Alexia. She says they can go fall into the abyss and society would be better without them. That was her first tweet, real classy. And then she says, did anyone else get a blue alert? I guess that's that comes over the phone. And she says, apparently mm-hmm. that's when a law enforcement officer is in danger and she says the serotonin is kicking in. So that compared to what you tweeted is not even in the same ballpark. Her her two tweets are are obviously just filled with rage and anger and hate for police officers. Mm-hmm. She did get removed from her job. And it says that her tweets do not represent the opinions and values of the publication. And she's been removed from her position as a columnist. She comes out and she says, quote, I feel like I wasn't given a fair process. She told the, uh, the Republic. Now, mm-hmm. my understanding from, from doing a little research about her is that she has been uh, tweeting this kind of nonsense for quite some time. So my question to you is, was ASU going after her to kind of cover their back because they let you go? Um, There's a lot of layers to this. Um, I think in regards to that question, um, I think the university was not nearly involved with her situation as they were in mine. Um, A big factor of that is because the state press, from my understanding, has done a very, very good job of um, organizing their club in a way that keeps it separate from the rest of the university. They probably have bylaws that are very specifically defined, outlined in terms of, you know, which positions can be hired, fired, removed, um, whereas Blaze, our organization is is very... um, vague with our bylaws they really haven't been touched since the club was put together and i think you know that's something i wish we would have tackled before all this um behind science 2020 so i think the state press um had a better handle on dealing with issues like this that they were able to take care of it internally the way that the university wishes blaze would have been able to oh gotcha but at the end of the day you know let's it's state press and blaze you know, had handled it the same way and it had gone to the university. I don't think um, the university should have been able to to step in to her case any more than they could of mine. It is, um, whether I agree with it or not, mm-hmm. is irrelevant. And it's her opinion. That's her thought. And by the Constitution, she's protected to share those. And that's what I'm fighting for here. Um, awesome. So... I, I think that the university never really got involved because the state press handled it internally um, very, very well. Um, we never got that chance, and that's kind of where the university had to step in. But, you know, like I said, if they would have had to step in, I would hope that they had handled it differently than they did mine. Interesting. Okay. I didn't realize, and that's maybe that that's my fault for not understanding the process. I thought ASU was involved with her case just as, as they were yours. They, they might've been, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So don't quote me on it either, but you know, from my understanding, hers was 
tweet went out, tweet was deleted, she was removed. It was just that fast. So I don't know. Yeah, okay, because my understanding was that she had posted several tweets, for, and she was even shocked that she got let go because of that tweet. She said that there were far more controversial tweets in the past from her that wow. she felt was, you know, like I said, a little bit more edgy or controversial than the ones that she got actually let go for. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I would think that it would be the same rules. Now, is... The the state press is that not under the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism? From my understanding, it is. It is the journalism school newspaper, but there's a lot of students that aren't journalism majors involved with it. It's a it's a pretty big organization. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I would think that the same rules would apply as far as not sharing your opinions and you know not not. Um, messing up your brand and all that type of stuff. So I just found it very interesting. It felt like, and maybe I'm wrong again, I'm, I'm making, you know, assumptions, but it just felt like ASU was trying to cover their bases by getting rid of someone else. So it looked like there was some consistency, but I don't know. I don't know. That's probably. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, on a normal time, she wouldn't have been removed if there was far worse things she's done that she didn't receive punishment for. Maybe this would have let slide too, but. I think I brought a lot of eyes onto the school whether I meant to or not. And so they kind of just were like, Oh, this gets out and we don't act on it. Then, you know, our school is going to be in even more hot water. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what their, their process was behind that. But at the end of the day, all I, you know, hope is that her first amendment rights are protected as much as I am asking mine to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really the point of the first amendment and the free press and, you know, uh, freedom of speech is, is, is just that. Yeah, and she, you know, even openly opposed what I had tweeted. She was one of the ones that, you know, just said, oh, here's another white person talking about issues of racism. and They don't have any room to. And (laughs) so it's just very, very interesting time. Interesting. All right. Now, so was... Let me me, uh, catch up with my notes here because I I don't want to... get too far ahead or fall behind here uh <laughs> okay. let's see all right is and we kind of touched on this but i'm curious to hear your answer is cancel culture reached the point of a crisis in america oh yeah absolutely i mean i think um as terrible as mine is there have been people that have been affected significantly worse i'm i'm still a student i'm not completely financially independent. I don't have all of my cards stacked on this career quite yet. I'm still Hmm. learning. I have a little bit more forgiveness with me um, as opposed to the dean who was supposed to take over the Cronkite school is is the dean um, this summer who had built a 35-year career off of this and had it removed in four days. And so it's very, very fragile um, stuff that people are, are working with and threatening to cancel here. And um, I would absolutely say that it's a crisis and it's an attempt to silence and bully those who don't agree with us and maybe hurt our feelings into silence and eliminate their life or their career because of it. And from my stance and my opinion, it's, it's wrong. Very well said. And, I, and uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. What's next for Rayleigh Klein? I- <laughs> 
a good question. I've been, <laughs> been thinking about that a lot. Um, my goal has always been, and this hasn't changed. I think it's just been more reinforced. Um, after I graduate, I'm going to go to law school. Um, I think after the events of this, I will definitely pursue the more legal route of my career choice. Um, because I'm realizing how deeply important that is to me. And so go to law school, you know, try to find a career that kind of intertwines politics, law and, and journalism. And you know, I'm sure that plan will be revealed to me down the road. Um, gotcha. So, so you're just, keeping your just, yeah options open, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I'm very close to, to my religion and my um, relationship with God and know that he's kind of in the driver's seat and we're just along for the ride and, you know, he'll reveal his plans for us in good time. Um, but I know that, you know, he'll equip me for whatever he has ahead. So I just take it day by day. Good for you. That's awesome. Now, um, any good offers come out of this? I mean, have, you know, they, they accused you of trying to profit from all this. Have you been yeah. offered any, any jobs at, at any, uh, whether it be a news station or radio station? Right. Um, yes, I have. I've had some very good opportunities arise from this. And it's funny because I've also had the other side. I've had peers, um, tell me organizations that they interned with or, have people that work there, you know, they kind of heard through the grapevine them say, you know, we'll never hire her. She'll never work for us. So it's <laughs> a little bit of both. I'm very much setting myself up for success in one way and others not so much. And so, yeah. um, you know, but there's a silver lining in every instance. And, you know, I have been very fortunate with the opportunities and support that I've gotten. Well, good for you. I mean, yeah, you, you cannot appease everybody. If you try to right. make everybody happy, you make nobody happy. And that's exactly. just the way that's, that's life. I mean, I've been on this earth mm-hmm. almost 50 years and uh, I've realized that you cannot make everybody happy. It's impossible. So good for you. That's awesome. Now, um, yeah, I'm sure you want to take a big, long vacation after this. So hopefully, right. <laughs> hopefully you can do that between semesters, get, get out of Dodge for a while. But, uh, mm-hmm. we would hope that, uh, you would keep in touch with us here uh, at Say What You Will Radio because we do admire your courage, and uh, we're we're in your corner one hundred percent. We're excited to see uh, what comes out of this. I'm going to continue to follow the story, and uh, you know, as things progress, uh, we'd love to have you back on and uh, talk about you know the the next steps and where things are going. So, uh, if if you would do that. You know, obviously no promises, but, um, you know, we would, we'd love to stay in touch with you and follow this story as it goes along. Absolutely. I just love to keep you guys in the loop. I'm sure it's like a soap opera, John. I tell you every day it's something new. <laughs> I bet. Oh my good. I, again, I don't mean to laugh and make light of this. I No, it's okay. You know, sometimes you just got to, uh, you know, you got to see the funny side of life. Otherwise, you know, you can get caught up real easy. Yeah. So, well, that's good. You know, I, uh, I'm a man of faith as well, so I will, uh, continue to pray for you. We've been praying for you and, uh, we'll pray for your safety down there at, uh, in Tempe. We're going to pray for, uh, you know, that this all works out, uh, obviously, uh, you know, in his will. That's, uh, mm-hmm. however it works out. Uh, we just hope that it's, you know, his will, not our own. And, uh, I gotta tell you, I gotta, you know, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for like two weeks now 
And, uh, oh, good. Glad <laughs> ever, you made it work. I'm sorry yeah. I suck at responding. <laughs> no, no. I'm sure you're a little busy. You're probably a little busier than I am. Uh, no. I don't have homework, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> But uh, well, it yeah. sounds like you did. You knew a lot about this story. I was really impressed. Oh, well, yeah, no, I've definitely done my homework with, with your story for sure, because it's yeah. fascinating because you're right. We've talked about it. There are so many people that when attacks like this come, they don't know what to do. So, right. you know, they, they just, they give up and they run. And, uh, you know, it's just great that you had the family support and it sounds like you've got a lot of friends that are supporting you and even people across the country that don't even know you. Right. Exactly. You know, have your back. And I think that's really a sign of the times. That's really the country we live in. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, we, we have to, the silent majority has to stand up and begin to speak out. I talk about that all the time on my program. If you're a Mm -hmm. conservative and you're, you're just hiding behind a rock or a tree and you're keeping your mouth shut, what are you doing for future generations? You're not helping. Right. So, yeah. So you deserve a medal. Congratulations for fighting. Keep fighting the good fight as Paul says, and uh, we'll stay in touch. And I wish you the very, very best. Thank you, John. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, you're welcome, Rayleigh. Uh, Godspeed, and uh, we'll we'll catch up again sometime down the road, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. Back All, right. To you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that was Rayleigh Klein, and what a class act. I mean, to be just a third-year senior in school, so, she, you know, she's probably just turning 21, to have the courage that she has at such a young age and to stand up for what you believe in. And that's what, that is what I always talk about on this show. Like I just mentioned to her before we ended the call. If you're a conservative, you've got to stand up and voice your opinion, not for yourself only, but for future generations. You've got to protect future generations from this madness, this cancel culture that's going on. We cannot be forced into silence. We've got the First Amendment that protects our right, freedom of speech and press and religion. And we've got to fight for that because once we lose it, it's gone forever. We'll never be able to get it back. Jennifer says prayers for such a courageous young woman. Isn't that the truth, Jennifer? Oh, my goodness. Now, before I end the show, I'm glad Jennifer spoke up in the chat room because I want to talk about Gray Feather Farm. And yesterday I highlighted the lip balm. The lip balm, I, I have never had a lip balm ever that I could use one time a day. I literally put that on one time, one time a day, about nine o'clock in the morning. Now here we are almost 12 hours later and I don't need lip balm. In Arizona, that's, that is just short of a, of a miracle. But today I want to talk about the crack attack and I have it right here in my hand. Just so people know out there that I actually have this in my hand. 
crack attack. Let me, let me jump back a little bit. About 20 years ago, I was tired of losing my hair. I didn't want to look like George Costanza as I got older. So I shaved my head. And ever since I shaved my head about 20 years ago, I've been looking for a moisturizer to put on my scalp that doesn't leave my scalp greasy and cause me to sweat. I have tried everything. I've tried. Well, I'm not going to mention the names, but I've tried everything. I went to Walgreens and I've tried everything in the aisle and I haven't found anything until the crack attack. When I get out of the shower, I put this on my scalp. Even in the humid shower, I put this on my scalp. It doesn't cause me to sweat. It doesn't leave a greasy residue. It doesn't stink. And it has softened and made my scalp so much better. I can't even explain it. Why didn't I know about this earlier? Grayfeather Farm has the best natural skincare products under the sun. If you want to try their stuff, I recommend going uh, to their Etsy page. You can go to etsy.com slash shop slash Grayfeather Farm and check out their products. Jen will get your order and drop it in the mail, and you'll have it in two days. It only took two days to get my stuff all the way from Pennsylvania to Arizona, two days. And it was the best decision I've made in a long time. So that's it. Gray Feather Farm. Check them out. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. So what a show tonight. Jennifer says, that is the first time I have heard of anyone using it on their scalp. That's awesome to hear. Yes, absolutely. It is fantastic. It has changed my life. But what an incredible young lady that we just talked to, Rayleigh Klein. She has been all over the news circuits. Republican uh, conservative uh, politicians have reached out to her. And she has come through this to this point so humble and so courageous. I I just... um, I was just thrilled to have her on the show. I hope you enjoyed the show as well. Uh, But that's all I got. I'll be back tomorrow night. Tomorrow is Friday. I'll be back tomorrow night uh, with the news and everything that's going on with all the insanity out there. I'm sure we'll all be excited after this election's over. We won't know who the new president is because uh, states like Pennsylvania and Michigan or waiting for up to 14 days after election day to count ballots. That's insane. That's insanity. But, uh, yeah, so that's going on. But, uh, you know, at least all the political ads will be over because after election day, you can't vote. Let's hope. Let's hope that's the way it is. Anyway, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Again, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Rayleigh Klein. I certainly did. Until tomorrow, God bless. Take care.